0: We serve neither king nor kaiser, but Ireland. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Father Brendan Kilcoyne, joining you again from Athen Rye on a dark winter's evening, November. The feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, Universal King. The motto I quoted at the beginning appears on a banner. There's a photograph of it. Uh, I think it's of the Irish citizen army parading sometime before the 1916 rising. It's a resounding message. We serve neither King nor Kaiser, but Ireland. And indeed, to be an Irishman nearly became, uh, to the great irritation of Unionists, it became nearly synonymous with Republican. Although there was a time during the Catholic Confederacy in the 17th century When the Irish fought under green flags emblazoned with the motto Vivat Carolus Rex, long live King Charles. That being Charles I for whom they were fighting against the forces of Parliament in the English Civil War. Later still they fought for James and his followers afterwards were known as Jacobites. His cause was Jacobite and and they wore the white rose of the Stuarts. And they looked forward to the coming of the once and future king, Bonnie Prince Charlie. And, and the, word, the very word Tory comes from the Gaelic word Tory, meaning a robber or a, a highwayman, because so many of them ended up as highwaymen and rapperies up in the, the Dublin mountains, Wicklow. So our history isn't quite as anti-royalist as we might like to think. To this very day... There is an elite military unit called the Irish Guards which serves her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. There was a, a guard regiment, an Irish guard regiment serving Louis the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth. There were Irish regiments serving the Emperor of Austria and the King of Spain. No, no, we haven't. We haven't had quite the antipathy to kings that we think. And indeed, a friend of mine would say, and I've heard the comment made often, that Catholics make very poor Republicans. We tend to have a president whom we then treat as if he were a king or as if she were a queen. And sure enough, if you look at the secluded residence in Orsonoethron, the quasi-sacral air with which the presidency is surrounded in Ireland, and non-partisan, impartial, non-political position. The presidency of France really is that envisioned by de Gaulle in the Fifth Republic. And, uh, I mean, de Gaulle himself was certainly like a king. And he envisaged a kind of monarchical presidency. And if you remember the ones who came after him, a lot of them certainly were very like that. Mithrand, who was very left-wing, was really quite royal. All right, you can abuse me as much as you want for this, but I think Catholics hanker for a good old king. For a king and a horse. A good horse and a sword and, and we're off. I think there's something in that that calls to us. And don't start on me because this country nearly shuts down every time there's a royal wedding. And the whole country knows that. It's the worst kept secret in the world. I mean, I'm at the moment positively savouring, is it the fourth series of The Crown? I'm savouring it. And don't tell me I'm the only Irishman doing that. Because I'd say it's selling like hotcakes in Ireland. No, no. It's, it's, it, it, is it romance? I think it is, but romance, romance, I've said this before, romance isn't the fluffy, silly thing that some people seem to think it is. Romantics are very hard people. As Chesterton noted about the Irish, he said, If they're that unrealistic, if they're that away with the fairies, as the English always say they are, Why are they so good at the trades of iron? Why do they make such good soldiers? Why are they so good at the hard, unforgiving trades? I remember when we were students in Rome. this is thirty years ago. I remember sitting at a i think she, this woman she used to beg an old woman she used to beg somewhere around It was the Café San Eustat i think one of the oldest cafes in Rome, if not the oldest. They claimed to be the oldest i think and we we um we used to go there for a coffee there were no there was no great number of places to sit outside that cafe actually. The espresso was fantastic and there was a there was an old woman, she was dressed in black and she was literally bent over with rheumatism, we presumed, and she was begging. She was there regularly, but I remember we gave her something and she thanked us very graciously and she said, I was a countess once. Then she shambled off and my friend shrugged and he said, maybe she was. How do you know? A lot of countesses end up in very bad times. So... I suppose what I'm going to say to you today on this feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, universal king, is that the image of the king is not quite as irrelevant as some people would like you to believe. And as maybe you say, just, just as we do so often, parroting trite sentiments. Oh no, the Irish turned into kings. You know, we have a republic, we have no time for kings. Go out of that. The Irish love kings. We love that stuff. We eat it. We eat it with a spoon. We eat it off out of a hole in the road. We're romantics by our very nature. What other country can talk about the republic as if it was the kingdom of God? We invested the republic and Pierce and all of that with the mysticism of the whole romance of the crown, if you like. I'm telling you, we're monarchists at heart. C.S. Lewis, good Belfast Protestant that he was, C.S. Lewis knew that most people are monarchists at heart. So you you have the romantic story of Narnia. And that whole thing. Tolkien, he knew this too. I mean, when somebody asked him once, what kind of government would you like to see? He said, oh, monarchy, he said, as unconstitutional as possible. Tolkien was an absolutely unrepentant, mad monarchist. And we are monarchists. And we believe in a king. And today is his feast. Today is one of his great days, the feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, universal king. The once and future king. The king whose name cannot be spoken. The king beyond the sea. The king the king who is to come back. You see? And we wear the Stuart rose, the white rose. And we have all the, 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 the secret words that they had to recognise in other monarchs. The Gaelic poets always talked about him. The Gilamar, the swift young man who would come back. Christ the king, our Lord Jesus Christ. Universal King. And because of him, we can say, I was a countess once, and you still are. You still are. Now, this whole business of throne and altar seems very irrelevant. If it weren't for the fact that we're watching a new religion, the secular, secular religion, if you like, uh, rapidly taking over politics, and we do have throne and altar. Now, the Catholic version of it used to be called uh, l'intégralisme. Okay, I just butchered the French. Integralism. Okay, integralism. And there are some Catholics who still believe in it. That a Catholic state for a Catholic people, throne and altar. And it's an interesting idea, certainly. It hasn't gone away. Just because the Catholic version of it hasn't worked. Or hasn't managed to get back. It hasn't gone away at all. A new religion is sitting on the throne. Or is sitting beside the throne, I should say. That's very definite. And ours is out. And we're reduced to being Tories. We're reduced to being rapparees. We're reduced to being highwaymen. Stand and deliver. You remember I talked about chaff cats? That's what we are. Chaff cats are Tories. We're up in the Dublin mountains. Wearing ten-year-old finery that's nearly in tatters because it's the last decent suit we could afford ten years and we haven't managed to afford Savile Row since that's our cause, that's the Catholic cause now, I suppose what I'm here to tell you on the feast of Christ the King is that you should get get used to a certain shabby elegance it's all we've left, Okay, we're in reduced circumstances I've said to you before the once and future King now the communists tried to do this famously without God Maybe they made a god of history. They tried to do this. And what did they do? They ended up replicating the whole thing. Instead of the Vatican, they had the Kremlin. They had the holy city of Moscow, the third Rome. They had uh, an inquisition, the KGB. They had the party head of ideology. That's the prefect of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. They had the general secretary of the party. That's the pope. The pope calls himself, quite rightly, the servant of the servants of God. They call their leader the General Secretary. They just mimicked us. They mimicked us. And they killed what? 20, 30, 40 million. How many did Stalin kill? How many did Stalin kill? Even the historians aren't aren't exactly clear. 20 million at least. But we don't serve a cause that does that. We don't serve a cause that endlessly murders its own people. Because what is the nature of the kingdom? What is this kingdom that we serve? The nature of the kingdom of God, which is already present and at the same time not yet present, is a kingdom of justice and mercy and peace where the lion will lie down with the lamb, where the swords will be beaten into plowshares. That is the nature of the kingdom. That's the kingdom we serve. That's the the new order that we serve. Now how do we do that? Because here we are and we haven't got the proverbial in which to do the proverbial. We haven't got a backside to our trousers. I'm trying to be polite. We're we're in the tattered rags of our old finery. We've had to move off the fashionable squares into dingy flats on the back streets. So how do we do this? How do we continue to serve the king? The once and, and future king as they say. How do we do this? I put it to you, again, we've talked about this before. Instead of being obsessed with grand projet, you know, the great projects, instead of be, be, becoming obsessed with laying out the streets of Paris or Rome, so to speak, we should be thinking of spiritual guerrilla warfare, of small things, of increments. This is a time for identifying very specific, narrowly focused projects. If we are too grand to be tradesman-like about this, we will not alone fail in terms of the unique and specific challenges of our time, but we will completely betray the Catholic tradition of charitable work, of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, because they have always been disciplined, focused, pointed, They've always involved, as the writers say, killing your children. Not killing children, but in terms of deciding, I'm going to do that and do it well, so I can't do this. Now, if you're looking for some way in which to reveal the kingdom, in which to prepare the ground for the return of the king, I would suggest that you look at the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, which buys cookers for people and buys fuel for them in winter and pays their oil and their electricity bill when they can't pay them themselves. And maybe pays for a bit of counselling when somebody is in very serious distress and can't afford it, and can't wait on the waiting list forever for it, and pays for the bits, the precious bits and pieces that make up everyday life. Now, you might remember there was a bit of controversy in the past, but that involved one local branch of the Society of Vincent de Paul who had contributed from a very generous bequest they'd received? I seem to remember they contributed to a cause that wasn't really at all compatible with Catholic teaching. But for the most part, Vincent de Paul gets it right. So check out your local branch. Make sure they're sticking to what they're supposed to be at. I don't mean that in a nasty way, okay? I just, I just mean, you know, this is your few quid. It's your, it's you worked hard for it. You don't want to waste it on the wrong causes. If you wanted to give it to those causes, you give it to them. You want to give it to a Catholic cause. So make sure your local Vincent de Paul are tough, focused, disciplined, know what they're at, and very Catholic. Make sure they serve the King. Now, let's say you feel more called to serve the cause of spiritual poverty. Remember that there is such a thing as spiritual poverty. Remember that the entire Western world is in a spiritual famine and it's starving. And you're looking at spiritually malnourished skeletons walking, ghosts, practically zombies, walking around you. Who don't pray, who don't adore God, who don't believe in God, who don't have any sense of God. You may say I'm being unfair. Sure, fair enough, I'm being unfair. I'm being very general. But I've got a very powerful point. We can haggle over the details, but we're in the middle of a famine. Fine, join the Legion of Mary, an organisation that's so determined, it's making a comeback lately, I've said this before, an organisation that is so determined to be tradesmanlike and practical and not slobber things up by trying to do everything, by trying to make the kingdom come all together at the same time, that they actually forbid their members to engage in material help. Because that's what the Vincent de Paul are for and other organisations like them. And the Legion deal with spiritual hunger. They are evangelical in the sense that they spread the faith through contact with their members. Consider joining them. Here's another crowd of mad royalists who are going around plotting in disreputable taverns. Okay. Mary's Meals. A young Scotsman, Magnus Mac- MacFarlane. I think from the, the west coast of Scotland looking out at the Isles from a family, an old Catholic family who never give up their faith. And they ended up like the Catholics of Ireland pushed out to the extremities. He set up an organisation in a shed beside the house and I think they call it that shed that has, that has sheltered millions at this stage. And it, it provides meals and is aimed at kids and particularly at school kids. They get a meal in school which gets them into school because if they don't get an education, they're not going to make it and they're going to stay in poverty. So they have to eat, but they also have to have intellectual and spiritual sustenance. Give a man a fish, you know the saying. Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach him to fish, feed him for a lifetime. Mary's Meals. Look at Mary's Meals. There's a a gifted and highly intelligent, able young Scotsman who has, with, with true Scottish practicality, And crystal clear thinking has identified something so obvious that it took genius to see it. Sitting in front of people, why not just give people a meal? Mary's meals, done in the name of, with the patronage of, with the help of, and in honour of the Queen of Heaven. So serve the Queen. These are acts of sabotage. You know where the word sabotage comes from? It comes from les sabots there's more bad french for you okay let's say, which are the wooden clogs i think worn by the the french peasants sabotage where they were peasants up to no good wrecking things because they were starving sabotage so you put on your sabot you put them on and you start doing acts of spiritual sabotage and no don't go to the guards and tell them that i'm encouraging you to go bombing the railway tracks I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm encouraging you to bomb spiritual railway tracks. I'm encouraging you to metaphorically bomb spiritual, cultural, psychological railway tracks because a completely godless and wicked philosophy is taking over the world bit by bit. And if you think that's a load of conspiratorial nonsense, go way out of that. They're doing it in plain light of day. They don't need to... Con- These people don't need to hide. We're the ones who have to hide. They don't need to hide. Their hour has come, let me tell you. They're at it in the plain light of day, brazenly. So you go around and sabotage it by sowing hope and meaning. You teach people that life is precious. Life is so precious that life from the very point of conception is precious. That every life is precious. As Pope Francis has pointed out, yes, Catholics aren't only about abortion, but as he's also pointed out, Catholics are passionately anti-abortion. Let me tell you how passionately we're anti-abortion. Let me tell you what we're like. We hate abortion. We're not just critical of it. We hate it. We will never compromise with it. We will never stop making trouble about it. We will rain on that parade as long as the Church lives, and the Church will live as long as history lasts. We will wreck it as often as we can. We will do everything possible inside the law to undermine that wicked, barbarous, cruel, cynical practice. And we are going to sow in its place a future hope, meaning. And we are determined to do that. And you can throw our past faults at us as much as you like. And we deserve it and need it. But we see what you're up to, even if the world can't for the moment. When Chesterton was here in Ireland for the Eucharistic Congress in 1932, he was intrigued in that he saw a banner. Well, he was intrigued by a lot. He liked the Irish, but he saw a banner um, on a Dublin street saying, God bless the Sacred Heart. And some pilgrims, English pilgrims, were inclined to, to laugh fondly at it. You know, that was the Irish, you know. God bless the Sacred Heart. Because it sounded a bit like an Irish bull, you know. It sounded a bit illogical. Actually, Chesterton pointed out that not for the first time The Irish theology was perfectly good. There's nothing wrong with God bless the Sacred Heart. Doesn't the grace traditionally say, Benedictus Benedicatur? May the blessed one be blessed. Why shouldn't God be blessed? We bless God all the time. And we rightly bless God. The fact that he doesn't need it is irrelevant. We need to bless him. May God bless himself. And so people will say, oh, you don't need to serve the king. God reveals the kingdom. God does all of this. It is God's will that we do it this way. It pleases him that it is done this way. These are our orders. You're going to come to no good endlessly. All you're doing is helping the devil by endlessly dithering as to what you should do. For goodness sake, will you do something? If you do something, other things will happen. So pick something, pick anything to become involved in. If you don't have time to become involved in things, you certainly must make time to allow God to invade your own territory so it can be annexed to the kingdom and not wither on the vine. You must let God into your own life. This has to be done. In missionary theology, they talk about the mission ad intra and the mission ad extra. The mission ad intra is the mission of the church into itself, to convert itself. Quite rightly, metanoia, the change of heart, the conversio morum, the change of manners. Benedict talked about that in relation to the monastery, but any soul talks about that. Change heart, change manners. But there's also the missio ad extra, You, you have to reach out to others. And in the gospel today, our Lord Jesus Christ really puts it up to us because he says, insofar as you did this to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. You spread the kingdom and you serve the king by the smallest act of corporal charity, corporal mercy or spiritual mercy. Let me tell you something. When I was a boy back in the 70s, one of the great, it wasn't even a protest, one of the great bits of silliness that was going on at the time, there was a craze for it at some stage in the 70s, for streaking. Somebody would take off all their clothes at a public event and run naked. It could be across a football pitch. And you'd have the police running after him trying to catch him while he was cheered wildly by the audience and it was a ridiculous thing it was a silly thing it was it was an interesting way to make a protest if you had a protest my memory is that it was just a bit of daft fun maybe being poor taste but it was it was certainly not wicked or anything like that could i propose now you're going to laugh at this okay you're going to think this is silly could i propose a catholic version of this a catholic version of streaking okay could we go back to blessing ourselves when we pass churches in front of everyone on the street? For a lot of people, that's going to be very difficult because it does stand out. I have a memory, you know, of being in Rome, this is 30 years ago, and I think I was at the Piazza Venezia, which is one of the busiest squares in Rome, and uh, I nearly tripped over a Muslim man who seemed to be visiting and seeing the sights, but it had come time for prayers. And he had taken out his prayer mat in the middle of the crowd. He had put it down. He had found he had a little compass. He had found east, and he was about to say his prayers. Could we go back to the lovely old Irish Catholic custom? I don't think the Italians had this custom, but uh, we had it, of blessing, crossing yourself, signing yourself when you pass the church. How about that for a bit of Catholic sabotage? How about that for a bit of a, b- a bit of royalism? Okay. Well, it could be dangerous enough. It could be like saying at a communist do in Stalin's time, crikey, I really miss the Tsar. Now, they used to say, I think it was Hilary Mantel as this in, in her novel, A Place of Greater Safety. I don't know if it's true, but that some people had found a way to commit suicide during the terror in France. They'd wait for a patrol to pass and shout, God save the king. Vive le roi! Of course, they'd be dead within 24 hours because, of course, the, whole, the thing was so crazy. Would you take a chance? I mean, no one knows you. Let's say you're in Galway, OK? Right? And you're walking past the church and you just bless yourself and run, OK? You can run in case they catch you. I'm joking. They're not going to catch you. But I mean, you might get a few contemptuous looks. More than likely, you'd be ignored. But just bless yourself passing the church. You don't have to bother anyone. You don't have to come up to anyone and say, can I share this with you? It'll just annoy them. Now, I found a way that you can annoy them, you can annoy the hell out of them, and they can't say a word to you. Because you're exercising your right as a citizen, you can be as weird as you like. You walk past the church and you bless yourself. If you really want to be a pain in the proverbial, do it two or three times passing the church. Now, you can prostrate yourself, if you like, with numerous loud, wild, pious ejaculations and fling yourself, beating yourself with the rosary beads, okay, in front of the church. I mean, whatever floats your boat. The church isn't asking you for that. Just bless yourself. That'll do. So hope, and at the same time, so doubt about the hopelessness. You know Ratzinger said... When he was Ratzinger, modern man, he is the choice of being a believer haunted by doubt or a non-believer haunted by possibility. So possibility. So possibility. Unnerve them. Huh? Bless yourself. You're passing a graveyard. Bless yourself. Because even if no one else can see you, the holy souls can see you and some of them need it. Bless yourself. But better still, even if there are some there. So possibility. Keep at it. Keep at it and don't give up. The once and future king. Keep serving the cause. The white rose of the Stuarts. Fly the flag. Viva Carolus Rex. Be the Tory. A certain very popular and controversial American podcaster has as his. Now, I have to say I enjoy him. Now, some would say he was better when he did more teaching, more philosophical teaching and all the rest of it, before he got into controversy. But he's a good, you know, he's... He's got his strong points. Uh, I'm not going to name him. Used to be a Protestant minister, but I'm not going to name him. But his motto is Be the Maccabee. I think it's a great motto. He's mugs with that on it. It's a pretty good, cool mug, okay? Be the Maccabee. Incidentally, we uh, have in front of me one of our own utterly, impossibly cool Immaculata Productions mugs. But I'm just mentioning that, okay? A little bit, little bit of merch there, a little bit of swag. I'm telling you, Be the Tory. And I'm not telling you to follow English politics. I'm telling you to be the Tory in the original sense of a Tory. Be the intellectual, but most of all spiritual, highwayman who stands in the middle of the road wearing a battered and slightly out of date but extremely well cut coat holding the two pistols in his hand and shouting stand and deliver. How about that? Be the Tory and serve the King, and join the Legion of Mary, or join Vincent de Paul, or help them out, or chuck them a few quid. Do something for Mary's meals. Do you, why don't you just, look, if you can't be bothered, can I tell you what I've done with one or two things? Because I'm, I'm, I am incredibly lazy. Set up a little direct debit, a small one. I mean, you may not have much money, but just set up a small one. That's like a transfusion to that organization. So possibility, so hope. So in terms of your conversation, I mean, if you refer to somebody who's dead, say, as we've always said in Ireland, the Lord have mercy on him. I think the Italians say the buon animo, the, the holy soul. As I said, if you pass a holy place, sign yourself, cross yourself. Make it clear that you're a Catholic when there's a time for that. And then retreat back into the back streets again. One way or another, we'll get this done. We will get this done. We serve neither King nor Kaiser, but Ireland. Magnificent! That's a magnificent slogan. We serve neither King nor Kaiser, but Ireland. Well, on this feast, this feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, Universal King, I'm telling you that we serve Ireland. We serve Ireland passionately. We love our wet little country. We love every bit of it. We serve Ireland. But God save the King. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.